0: and welcome to episode 4 of the Anime Independent Podcast. I have spared Briany an appearance this week because she's very busy working on the next sale. She manages one of the largest stores (laughs) in the north and she's got a full. so it'll just be me again this week and I will try to keep it to around half an hour. No promises, but I will do my best because God, this week has been busy, hasn't it? All that, of course, to do with Anime Expo plus a few other little revelations that made their way out to... The wider audience this week. So uh, let's start with MVM may well be dropping the DVD format at the end of the year. Now, that was a byproduct of a conversation I have with Tony, and uh, <laughs> it was really flattering actually. It's a big week for the Anime Independent. First page of Anime News Network, credited source, thank you very much, that's lovely. Even Anime UK News linked it back to me. Josh did a great job following up with Manga and Anime Limited. It was an interesting read actually on AUKM because DVD sales for manga are pretty healthy. Now I take that from being a lot of their stuff like Digimon and Pokemon are more like kids titles or for a younger audience at the very least. And when it comes to parents buying stuff for their kids they'll tend to go for the cheaper option. So I can imagine their DVD is probably quite a big seller for them. And obviously Anime Limited following up with well we'll do it on a case by case basis which doesn't really tell you much. But for them if it's viable fair enough. But I do see a time, if the masters aren't available, it's going to be a pretty difficult road to keep that open. But it was good to see the full picture. It's been an interesting discussion point for many websites. What else has been happening? Well, Anime Expo, of course, has been happening en masse. And my word, it was difficult keeping up with quite a lot of the stuff that was coming out. So what did we find out this week? Well, we had uh, the Elf and mangas coming out from Dark Horse. They're going to put it across four bumper volumes, so compressing all 12 into four big volumes that will be released fairly soon. It's going to be for the first time in English. Now, interestingly, it's been around, I think, in French for quite some time, but this will be the first time it's coming out in English. It's a pretty violent manga, and you can find the details on the website, and if you are into your violent, mutant type of manga, then this might be a good one for you. It is a classic, and I know it was popular for ADV when they released it on DVD many years ago. But I think it's well worth uh, a look. Moving on to gaming news. Uh, My Hero 1's Justice has had its release date announced, and it's going to be the 26th of October. If you pre-order the game, you will get a free character, uh, Endeavor, the fiery hero. Looks kind of cool. I like his fiery Tash. That's kind of stylish. That's something I could probably go for if I was a superhero, Uh, unlike Superman's edited-out Tash in uh, Justice League You also have had two new characters released. Muscular and Gran Torino are going to be in the game as well, you can find out who they are by reading the website, I'm not going to go into all of it now, because otherwise we'll be here for a while. Two new series have been released on Amazon Prime, and they are Banana Fish and Seven Senses of the Reunion, both of which have had a sort of First Thoughts article written about them on the website, I'm going to get to that a little bit later in this podcast, but... It's great to see so much cool stuff coming out uh, simultaneously here and in Japan. So if you haven't had the chance to catch those, I will tell you what I think about them in brief later, but needless to say, banana fish at least, yeah, very New York, like that a lot. And then Crunchyroll announced their own new titles. There's quite a few, so let's go through them. All the plot summaries and a trailer for each of these is available on the website. And again, I'm not gonna read it to you. (laughs) I'm sure you can read it yourself. Uh, But let's give you a summary of what's gonna be coming out. So we've got Ride D, which is a futuristic anime, young engineer named Dorida Yvain. That looks really kind of dark. It reminds me a bit in tone of Proxy, but it's pretty cool, so maybe have a look at that. We've got Radiant, which is a TV anime based on a French comic about a young sorcerer on a quest to defeat the monsters that threaten his world. So, cool or generic, you decide. Uh, We have Double Decker, Doug and Kirill, uh, following the adventures of two detectives, one seasoned, the other a rookie. Sounds like trouble. Ah, and this one's really good. That Time I Got Reincarnated as a Slime, which was up for Manga of the Year back on the UK anime network. It is fantastic. It's really well thought through. It has some... Wonderful character moments of the, I died and got reincarnated into a fantasy land uh, tropes. This is probably my favourite one. And again, I will get on to Seven Senses the Reunion later, which is another entry into this genre. But trust me, that time I got reincarnated as a slime is fantastic. I really hope the anime lives up to the manga, because the manga is one of my favourites. And lastly, The Rising Shield of Hero. This is a fantasy kind of anime and uh, let's read this one to you, because I don't know much about this. now, Naofumi was summoned into a parallel world. Oh, here we go. It's another one of those. <laughs> with three people to become the world's heroes. Okay, fine. It's a in a fantasy land reincarnated thing. There you go. Another one of those. I have no idea whether or not this one's any good, but I am sure once I've shuffled through it with the others, we will find out. Then, Comixology jumped in with their own news, and they have added two series by Harold Sakwishi, that is Beck Mongolian Chop Squad, which was a series that was released on DVD. Oh, about ten years ago over here seems to be pretty popular. I think it sold out special edition. It's one of the early special editions that was, you know, really nice. And then we have Seven Shakespeare's, which is uh, but again both by the same guy. It kind of got a strange look. It reminds me a little bit of the character designs you would see in something like. Initial D. It has that kind of look to it. You could pop either of those characters into uh, <laughs> into Initial D and they'd fit right in. So that's worth a look. If you want to go and see what sort of style it is, then go and have a look. It's already available in full if you're a Comixology Unlimited uh, reader. Or you can buy it individually by volume if you are a regular customer like me. Oh, and here's another big one. The J-Novel Club. Now, these guys were on fire at Anime Expo. They have released a lot of new news, so let's go through some of the actual licenses they announced, and there's eight of those. They will be releasing Amagi Brilliant Park, Kokoro Connect, Sorcerer Stabber Orphan, Gear Drive, Sarai Gansuki Spirit Chronicles, J.K. Harrow is a Sex Worker in Another World, sounds interesting, love the cover, and Last and First Idol, and finally, Martian de Verwolf, The Annals of Vite. now the cover on that looks awesome. They all look great. They're all light novels. Those are the new series. If you want to get all the synopsis and some quotes from the authors, they're all on the website. I have to say, they did an absolutely amazing job with the press releases on this, because they're the most thorough I think I've ever seen. Uh, but that wasn't their only news. They have some even more exciting news and even those licenses coming out. They are going to start publishing physical books. And they're going to start with In Another World with my smartphone, which, as you can guess... <laughs> is another I've just been reincarnated into a fantasy world kind of series. But that's going to actually come out. They're going to produce themselves and sell them in bookshops. So those books coming out very soon. It's quite exciting to get another actual publisher uh, of physical books. And they do look lovely. I would recommend maybe picking some up. It's only $4.50 a month if you want to join their online light reading service. And that seems like a bargain to me to what you're getting. So if you're interested... Go and have a look at the website and see what you think. And finally, got not often we are getting 10 minutes of news, is it? We have Grisaia Phantom Trigger. The anime is now available to back on Kickstarter. Now, this is based on a series of uh, visual novel games. It starts at $99, which gets you the Blu-rays, and you can go up to $2,200 if you want your own Shikishi board with some original artwork on it. Uh, but $149 seems to be the sweet spot. That's where you get the nice box set, and it looks phenomenal. They've done a little trailer. It's a very short trailer. There's not a lot of animation in it, and it's mostly a sort of introduction to the themes. But if you want to have a look at that one, we've got a summary of the project on Anime Independent, and you can click on Kickstarter. I've also put links to Front Wing, who are the producer's their Facebook page, their international website, which is in English, and their Twitter feed, and that might be one worth watching. But if you fancy backing that, it is available right now. So, what are we going to discuss this week, then? Well, we've got a whole 20 minutes to go through a couple of things. So, two things, really. I'm going to take you through some of the shows that I have watched this week. Now, the full rundown of my thoughts is will be, as ever, on the website, and there are quite a few. So, we're going to go through... I click on the right link here. We're going to go through Cells at Work, Seven Senses of the Reunion, Banana Fish, Mr. Tonegawa, Middle Management Blues. So we're going to discuss those things with you. We're going to stop at Mr. Tonegawa and work our way through the other three. So just before we get into the shows I want to talk about, I was sent something by one of my readers asking me a question based on a review by something called Kaiser over on Anime Feminist. Now this review was How Not to Summon a Demon Lord. It's a trashy anime about enslavement and uh, sexual proclivity. And it finishes off saying that this is a televised anime merrily marching its way into production while stories about healthy queer relationships and mental health issues struggle to get made. And the question I was asked was, is this true? So while I won't pretend there is an equal number of uh, queer relationships being portrayed in anime... I would say that there are a lot more queer relationships in anime than most media, so I thought it might be helpful to point out some of the better ones for people that might want to go looking for them. So here's a short list of things that you might want to look at, and I'm going to talk about a couple of historical ones. First of all, Sailor Moon, which is going back some way, did have a lesbian couple, and that was Haruka and Michiru. They had a very touchy relationship in that show, and I think it's really worth... Remembering that anime, while it is lewd and crude and occasionally uh, offensive, has got the capacity to represent these sort of relationships in a genuine and touching manner, and this is one of the early examples. That's also reflected, I think, in a series called Cyber City Oedo 808. Now, while it is a very violent show, which has three episodes, it's no VA, it's a very Blade Runner-looking, futuristic cops and criminals show, where criminals are forced to work for the police with explosive colours around their necks. Each episode centres on a different protagonist, or antagonist, since they're criminals. And the final one is about a character called Benton, who is an androgynous character, and clearly based on a sort of David Bowie stereotype. And I thought it was a really excellent example of how to betray somebody who is neither one thing nor the other. And it's a quite an early example, and it's probably the best episode of the three. We've kind of got a gothic love story kind of feel to it. And while in the other episodes he's mocked slightly by Son Goku for his appearance, he is the most intelligent thoughtful character of the three. Where Gogol's probably most intelligent, I think Benton is definitely really the quiet understated one that steals the show. And when I was first getting into Japanese animation in the early 90s, this was a series that most girls seemed to gravitate towards and certainly Benton was the favourite character. So that's a really good early example but it's not the only one by any means. So if you were looking for something a little bit more current and obviously transgender issues are trending I would recommend watching a show called Wandering Sun. That is a story about a character called Nitori who feels more comfortable as a female and it's a very thoughtful and sweet really story about being comfortable about who you are and finding your identity. I think that's a really strong contender for a lot of people for Anime of the Year. And I think if you are struggling with those sort of issues, that's a series you should really probably watch. I would probably stay away from things (laughs) like Cutie Honey Universe, where there are Yuri relationships, which are definitely not presented in a healthy way. While there are lots of gay and lesbian and queer relationships depicted in Japanese animation, they're not always Done in a very tasteful manner. So you've got to be careful. So, the last one I'd recommend is a series called Revolutionary Girl Utena. That is a story where the two main characters, both female, come together. It's a love story, there's action in there, and Utena sort of dresses as a male and quite swashbuckling and striking character. That's a really good show as well. So, I just wanted to put a couple of those out there. I mean, you can find in anime in the most unexpected places, uh, quite touching queer relationships. I mean, if you look at Crossing Time, which is a series of very short episodes, and there's one where two characters called I and Tomo have stood there waiting to cross, and one confesses their love for the other. So, most anime these days has characters popping up that are either in queer relationships, or looking for one, or even transgender. Even Tokyo Ghoul is a character called Rei Matsuka, and that's a trans character who has quite an important arc within the story. So... I don't think we should get hung up on characters not being represented. I think you can find them when you look for them. I don't think it's any worse than Western media for these sort of things. and I think in a lot of ways it's actually better. So I don't think we should give up. I certainly don't think we should guilt people, by the way, for liking things like, you know, how not to summon a demon lord. Everybody has their things that they like. I know certain friends of mine are really into very sexy and misogynistic series like Cat Planet Cuties and that sort of thing. You know who you are. And That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. and I really don't want to make them feel guilty about the fact that their shows are stopping other shows from being made, because that's just not true. That's a bad message, so I don't agree with that. But I do think there's some very positive series out there, and some very positive role models for people that are struggling with these sort of issues. If you can watch the sort of series that will help you, and some of the ones that I've mentioned I think are very good for that, then so much the better. But if you're going to sort of write something like this, where you do leave this message hanging at the end of it, maybe do something positive, like recommend something that might be better. And I think that's a more balanced approach. I would recommend let look at these positive shows as a counterbalance to the overly sexual, slightly disturbing shows that clearly do make it out of Japan. But I think you'll find they make it out of pretty much every culture. I don't think the West exactly uh, short of shows that are very embarrassing and stupid. I mean, like there's Movie 43, for example, which is bloody awful. And that's got Chris Pratt in it, who's arguably one of the biggest movie stars at the moment. So no culture is immune to putting out trash. And some people will enjoy it, the ones that don't, and want to watch something else, Yeah, I've given you some options. Enjoy! Anyway, let's talk about the series that have come out this week, because they're all simulcasting like mad. And I want to start with Mr. Tonogawa Middle Management Blues. Now, I really liked this show, and the reason I liked it is precisely because of the fact that it is a patriarchal, misogynist world being presented. And we know from the opening of the episode, it's like a ten-minute preview of everything to come in the series, that this whole sort of architecture, this patriarchy is going to get smashed by one guy who is down on his luck, but he's determined and he's going to take on Mr. Tonogawa And then you flip to Mr. Tonogawa dealing with things, and you were told about how exceptional he is and the daily struggles he has in middle management. And the reason it's funny, and the reason I accept that not everyone's going to get this, if you work in this environment, as I often have, if you walk into a room full of people you've never met before, certainly if they've got either similar sounding or unusual names, and I did this in Vietnam once, I walked into a room, we were there to evaluate some software, so the chairman of the company had got together the heads of all the departments, and I walked in there with James, and everybody looked round, And we didn't understand Vietnamese, still don't, by the way, we didn't understand that what the chairman said was, if these two English gentlemen do not like what they're shown, your department is fired. That was what was related to me afterwards. So we just sat down going, hi, everyone. (laughs) Everyone's like looking at us like, oh, shit. And we had to kind of follow who everybody was and what they were doing. And we had a translator there who was telling us quietly what was actually being said. And... Ultimately, I can absolutely identify with the idea of walking into this big boardroom, having a load of people in there all looking at you, and you're expected to be ultra-competent and know who everybody is. So that struggle, while it was beaten into the ground, and he sort of goes, ah, I've this, you're all gutter balls. Why do you all like bowling? I mean, he said, you know, tell me your name and something about you that I can remember, and they all like bowling. It's it's, (laughs) It's just the sort of thing that you can imagine happening Certainly, I can imagine walking into a room and go, tell me something about yourself and, and, and your interests, and they've all got the same interests, and they all look identical. It's a nightmare. So I kind of got that part of the uh, humour of it. I mean, obviously, the organisation this guy works for is really shady. It's borderline legal. The old guy that runs it is a sadistic ass, and Tonagawa has to... Acquiesced to his every wish because he's the chairman and it's this rigid hierarchy that we know is going to get smashed by this gutter trash that's going to come in and, and just wreck the joint so you're getting to see the build-up of it and i've read other reviews of it that said oh it's misogynistic it's not funny it, it runs all the jokes into the ground it doesn't it's well, it may run them into the ground but it does that because you're supposed to think that this hierarchical structure is just so ridiculous that it deserves to get its to come up so before you can get into why it needs to get smashed, uh, you need to understand it. And understanding it is watching this and seeing how these idiots operate. Now, they might all have shades, they might all have black suits on, they might all think they look really cool, but they're dicks. These are guys that go around threatening people. All they're interested in is doing going bowling. You know, it's <laughs> it just kind of shows you this juxtaposition, and I enjoyed it for that. If you want to see my... Full review of it, again, it's only episode one, but my first thoughts are on the website. So, Mr. Tanagawa's Middle Management Blues, I really enjoyed it. I think it's well worth a watch. If you watch the first episode, I mean, the thing with all of these little first thoughts items that I'm writing is, it's 20 minutes of your time. It is, go in, see if it's for you, and really, because there's so much of this stuff, it's kind of going to grab you from episode one. It's no good saying, oh, well, it warms up over time. Nobody, I, I, I would challenge anybody to have a time to watch the entirety of every series, ...that is coming out at the moment. It is impossible. So the first episode's kind of got to grab your attention and make you want to stick with it. Now, that brings me neatly on to Banana Fish, which is a TV series based on a manga. It's set in New York, and one of the most striking things about this is the visuals of New York. I mean, I visited New York for a week, and I was working over there. And so I got to see, like, the, the south side and north side and every, all the touristy bits in the middle... And my God, does this capture New York. I mean, it felt like being there. Everything from the graffiti to the architecture to the guy sat on stoops to the kind of things being sold. The fashion especially was very much New York. I mean, there's a part where the young kid gets kidnapped and the guy that takes him, one of them, is wearing a tracksuit, which is very New York kind of look, very gangster. And I really got immersed in the location. So New York in this was a character unto itself. And within it, all of these things were going on. So we start off with this uh, really cool young dude called Ash. And he's a street rat that's been taken in by one of the mafiosa, Everybody calls him Papadino, And he is uh, he basically groomed Ash as a sex slave by the so- sounds of it. It's very heavily intimated but never outright said. But Ash is his favourite, all the mafia hitmen and and thugs around don't really like ash because he's favored by papadino and they don't understand why because he's got some, such a bad attitude and he's a bit of a dick and he just walks around like he owns the place so he seems to have taken control of the situation that's one of the things i thought was quite good about this was that ash may have had a really bad upbringing but he he's owned it i mean he's sort of come up through the ranks he's he's in charge of the gangs he has been abused and he has basically just honed that into making himself the most feared guy on the streets now the whole thing about this show is betrayal because by the end of episode one i don't think i'm spoiling much if i tell you the what happens in episode one but it's all the setup for ash is a leader of the these young street punks he comes across a dying guy who gives him a MacGuffin. And the bad guys want the MacGuffin and they're prepared to do anything to get it. Even Papadino will abandon his affectionate feelings for Ash in order to get this MacGuffin. And subsequently everything goes to hell. And it all goes to hell when they're in a bar and they're being interviewed by a journalist and his assistant. And so they get dragged into what's going on. So Ash is essentially hiding this MacGuffin. They take his street punk friend and all hell breaks loose by the end of the episode. And it's really well directed. The camera angles in particular. The bar fight scene. I mean, I I have watched a lot of films over the years. And seeing how they choreographed it, the fight scenes, the way people end up after having one fight and then going into the next area. And the way the camera flits around, there's a real sense of movement and chaos. So for that alone, it is a skillfully directed, really entertaining that series and I absolutely recommend episode one of this banana fish really weird name really cool series very much of its time and place the only thing that I found very slightly jarring if I had to really really nitpick it's when they drop English into it uh, obviously this is subtitled and <laughs> it's like it doesn't sound right I mean you know it's in New York so you expect it to be natural but it sounds really forced so that's the only time when I thought this yeah you either be Japanese or be English but you you can't mix the two together because it doesn't gel. So stop it. But anyway, Banana Fish was, I thought, really good. Moving on to Seven Senses of the Reunion. Okay, this one is another of the fantasy world series. Now, I mentioned in my article on this, I have seen so much stuff set in fantasy game worlds lately. The last one I saw was uh, Recovery of an MMO Junkie, and honestly, you could drop the characters from this show into that show, uh, certainly in the game world, and you wouldn't. You wouldn't notice the difference. I mean, the designs, the costume designs and things like that are painfully generic. They're not particularly memorable. I mean, I put a little gallery at the bottom of this particular article, but You can see from that, I mean, it's pretty basic stuff. There's no real memorable character designs. I would say maybe Satsuki as the mage has quite an interesting design uh, with the kind of cape that sort of floats around the shoulders. I kind of like that. Other than that, yeah. will I remember it next week? Probably not. A few things about it I did like. I thought some of the fight scenes were really well done. I like the premise. So the premise is, and again, you're not spoiling anything with this, because it's in the pretty certain this is in the summary on the first episode. But it, what happens is that you see early on in this, in this episode that one of the young girls, Asahi, dies in-game. And they're a group of elite gamers and dies in-game. And then she has a heart attack in the real world and dies, which is tragic. And all her friends who are playing with her, the only one's not local to them, so the other four are... All at the funeral, and it's really, uh, it's really sad. And, you know, it's the death of a child, and it's it's very well put together. To be honest, it's quite moving. Years later, I think it's about sort of seven years later. They decide because the union system gets shut down, so they decide to reopen it and call it reunion. But only people who had this sort of special sensibility, which is something that players innately have and the system can detect, are allowed to play the game. Now Haruto Amo, who was the fighter of the group uh, when they were kids has given up on the game, doesn't want to play it, but gets talked into coming back in by a couple of friends of his that have, you know, they're all, all shoo because they've all got this innate ability so they can go into the game. And they're noobs, but he's obviously got experience. And they go out into the gaming world, and they want to take on their first challenge. And at the end of this first challenge, they open a treasure chest, and inside is Asahi, who, to all intents and purposes, appears to be alive. Now, that is a great hook. We don't know what's going on. It makes me want to watch the next episode to see where we end up. I've got a funny feeling we're not going to get any answers in the next episode, but I really liked that. I thought it was an unusual and interesting way to end the episode, and I have to say I struggled to watch this. I think I watched it in five-minute chunks because my attention kept wandering. I'm like, nah, I'm just going to go get a cup of tea, or I'm going to get a biscuit, and or I'm going to you know, go do something else, and I'll come back to this. It didn't hold my attention, but the last five minutes I thought were really good, so... Yeah, I can I could absolutely say worth watching for the first episode. I am not sure if you have seen Dot Hack, Sword Art Online, or even Recovery of an MMO Junkie, you're gonna get that much out of this. I don't know if this central mystery is gonna be strong enough. I don't know if I'm just a sucker for puzzle boxes, but yeah, other than that premise, it's very generic. So I'm really hoping it pulls it out of the bag and justifies a watch of another episode next week. So that is seven senses of the reunion and lastly and most recently because it only came out yesterday at the time of recording is Cells at Work. Now I've seen the manga all over the place for this and I've resisted picking it up and one of the reasons for that is people of my age will, I would bet money, remember a series called Once Upon a Time Life and it was a French production and it was a show set inside the human body showing you how the... Red and white blood cells work together the platelets. It's exactly what this is, except this is an anime. It is Japanese, so inherently a lot more stylish. They were very friendly and uh, very simplistically drawn in Once Upon a Time Life. In this, everybody looks awesome. So you've got the white blood cells that are completely white, but look badass and fight germs with knives. Uh, the germs themselves look like something out the gyver and are suitably scary. And then the red blood cells are all pretty benign and delivering nutrients around the body. And I like the fact that they do quite a lot of work by calling things their actual scientific names in this show and not just sort of saying, oh, you're going over to the heart or whatever it is. They've made it complex enough that you feel like you're learning something. And it did make me look up a few things. So the germs, for example, are a certain type of germ. They are, oh God, let me try and pronounce this, pneumococci. I think that's right, but they are germs that can cause pneumonia and therefore are seen to be a serious threat. So when the white blood cells manage to knock out a bunch of them, one of the germs escapes, and the body decides to send the T-cells after them, which is basically the marines of the body. And there's one white blood cell is still tracking them down, the red blood cell gets involved in it, nobody has any names, they are just white blood cell and red blood cell, and they've got like a number uh, to tell you which one they are. And there's like trillions of these things in your body, and it's... Really well done. And all the different areas of the body are uh, beautifully imagined as different areas. And, oh, my God, the platelets are the cutest thing in the world. They're all like little kids. And they're all like, super cute. It's like, oh, we can't do this. No, it's too high. We can't reach it. And they're all jumping up trying to get it. And they're just like, oh, we'll help you out. Yay. So it's really, really cool. I, I just, oh, I just want to hug them. It was a an interesting place to be. And I think that's the most you can ask for in something like this. It's a show where it's teaching you something and it's showing you the human body and you want to explore it, which is kind of the point of it. I don't know if it has the charm of Once Upon a Time Life. I don't know if my memory's playing tricks on me because I loved that show as a kid. And yeah, it's it's good. It is really immersive and I like the way it finished as well. And it sort of finishes with the white cell saying you probably won't see the red blood cell Again, and she's blushing and, you know, all my hero kind of thing. And he's saying, well, you know, there's trillions of us, so chances are we won't see each other again. So, like, how are they going to carry this forward? Because I haven't read the manga, so I'm really interested in seeing what they do with the next episode of this. I'm going to be tuning in for that one just to see where they're going to start again. Is it going to be the same red blood cell? Is she going to have different adventures? Is she going to meet different people? Or will we be following the white blood cell? Or are we just going to follow completely different people? It's, It's unknown to me at this time. But Cells at Work, I thought, was a really cool show. So overall, it's been a really good week for anime shows. We've had more hits than we've had misses. We've got some more stuff coming out. Island Episode 2 is out already. I've got a big, long list of things I need to get through over on uh, Crunchyroll. Thankfully, I think I'm up to date now with Amazon. I will be tuning in for Banana Fish again. And have a look at the website. See if there's anything on there that takes your fancy. But I think we're in for a really good season. I will let you know next week what else has come out and what I thought of it. In the meantime, uh, one of the things I have done on the website is I've added my little photo gallery for the Winter Wonder Festival that I went to back in February. Now, I know there's a gallery up on the Anime Network, so I have just put my personal favorite shots into the gallery. And the gallery is really just where I put photography that I find interesting, but you might find it interesting too. And if you do, take a look. There's also the JAXA Space Center on there, the Salt Robot Museum, Fans Toys Rouge, Tokyo Disney, Macross High Metal R, and now I've read all of them. (laughs) But I am preparing to do another Fans Toys uh, picture set with Coot, who's just turned up, which is their version of the Transformer Cup. And... I am slowly moving in with Bryony, so a lot of this stuff is getting boxed up, so I'm trying to get photographs before it gets boxed up for a few months before we decide what we're doing uh, (laughs) house-wise. So I'll try and get some more galleries up there, because I know that's the one section of the website that's been a little bit neglected over the last few weeks. In the meantime, I think that pretty much covers it. If you were at MCM recently, then I hope you had a really good time. I'm looking forward to... Oh, just another week of hot sunshine, hot anime news, and maybe a bit of gaming, because I got Senren Kagura Peach Beach Splash turn up recently, because I love water parks, and this one you get to run around with water guns shooting girls with water, so it sounds great to me. I'm looking forward to that. I'll probably talk about that next week as well. Uh, Thank you, Marvellous, for translating that and releasing a really kick-ass collector's edition, because I love me some soundtracks and some art books. Speaking of, I'll also try and do some more unboxings as I get the chance. But in the meantime, thank you once again for tuning in and having a listen. I hope you've enjoyed it. Any comments? Drop me a line, and we will talk again next week. Johnny. That. where can i find this wonderful free entertainment well you can find the website at animeindependent.net you can find us on facebook at facebook forward slash animeindependent or even on the twitters at animeindy. that's i-n-d-y see you online folks